Hello and welcome to the podcast for Christ Community Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. My name is Lee Younger. I'm one of the pastors here, and this is a message I gave on Sunday morning, November 26th, 2023, from the Gospel of Luke, in chapter 1. Okay, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? Awesome. That's fantastic. I, we are going to be in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 1. If you want to follow along, if you have a copy of the scriptures, but like Aaron said earlier, I can also just read it to you, and you can. It's very nice to be read to sometimes. Um, but during these weeks of Advent, Advent is a word that means the appearing. We are the. This is a season where we are turning our hearts and minds toward the the appearing of Jesus, the Messiah, that God, Almighty God, would become not only one of us, but become a tiny, helpless, vulnerable little baby to come and rescue all of us. It's an amazing, amazing uh, story in the scriptures. And every time we turn to it, I feel like a kid again. I feel so excited to be looking at this. This year, as we go through the season of Advent, this is what we're going to be looking at. There is a prophecy in the ancient prophecy of Isaiah. There's a place where the prophet was talking to a king who had made up his mind he was going to do something that God did not want him to do. And he had already made up his mind he was going to do it. And Isaiah said, why don't you not be afraid? Just ask God for a sign. He'll bail you out of this situation. And Ahaz says very piously, I would never put the Lord, the God, our God, to the test. And he's like, yeah, right. Well, here's the deal. The Lord himself is going to give you a sign whether or not you want it. He said in Isaiah chapter 7 that the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And she will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel is a word that means God with us. What happens is when God actually appeared, when God was with us on the scene, people started to change in cool ways. People started to do things that other people in the world don't do. And that's what we want to look at. Emmanuel, God with us. Now, what happens to people? Who do they become? What do they do? All right, so that's what we're doing. Before we get started today and before, we, before I read our scripture, I want to ask you a question that I'd love for you just to think about. This is not like a respond out loud thing. It would take like a long time for us all to respond to this. We would be in like a six hour counseling session. But here's my question for you. Just think about it. When somebody else tells you who you are, defines you, why do you believe them? Like, and, and let me just preface this by saying, all of us should have people in our lives who we give the right and the green light to come in and talk to us, to show us things about ourselves, to hold us accountable. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about the people on your trusted circle of trust that you have given the green light and the right to. I mean, all those other bozos out there. When somebody defines you for yourself, why do you believe them? Okay, hang on to that. We're going to talk about some of that today. Next, I want to ask some questions, and I would love you to respond out loud so people in this room know that they're not alone. Has anybody in this room ever felt the feeling of being rejected, yes. excluded? Yes. How did that feel? Terrible. Yes, it's felt terrible. It's awful. It's awful to feel like I am being rejected and I'm being excluded. Okay. Anybody in this room, have you ever been talked about behind your back? Yes. Ooh, how's that one feel? That is not so great to be talked about behind your back, to be slandered, okay? Has anybody in this room ever been like looked down on and belittled, embarrassed? How does that one feel, everybody? 
Yes, that one, yes, it does, it sucks. Thank you. It does, it's awful, it's awful. Okay, tell me, have any of you ever experienced this? Like, you did something or something happened and you just know for the rest of my life, I'm never gonna live this down. I'm gonna be saddled with this forever. Have y'all experienced that before? Just like an infamous reputation you can never get rid of. Man, those, that's, that's just a lot of great feelings we just discovered right there. And those are really, really fun. Um, when, I was a, when I was a sophomore in high school, I played for the football team, Roll Wildcats Roll, and they decided that year that I was a tight end. And we had this one play where um, the tight end would, you know, mainly the tight end blocks people, for those who don't care about football. Every now and then a tight end gets to, like, catch a pass. So we had this one play where I would go out in what's called the flat, and then our quarterback, whose name was Chanson Hall, he would, like, do this thing where he would roll out to the left, and he would throw me a little pass. I'll never forget, it was a third and six, and Chanson comes to the huddle, and he calls my play. And I was like, this is it. Roll out for the pass totally bricked it, just totally dropped it. It was awful. By the way, Chanson never threw me another pass. I don't really know what's up with that, but that wasn't the worst part. The worst part was that the statistician for our football team was my chemistry teacher. And it turned out that this guy apparently was a wide receiver of some repute back in the Mesozoic or whatever. And he, <laughs> um, he proceeded to tell me Every time I saw him for the next three weeks, you know, you really should have caught that pass. I mean, you know, I tell you, I would have caught it. You want to know how I know? I caught every target that was thrown to me when I was in high school. Oh, you did, did you? Every time I saw him, it was like I could never get past this moment. Some of you guys know that, um, that uh, many of you know that I was arrested in high school for shoplifting. If you didn't know that, I, don't worry, I, things have changed. And he's like, this is the guy telling us about Jesus up here. It's fine. Um, but even if you know that story, the part that you might not know is, first of all, it was in Gatlinburg. So I've been on the inside of the police station in Gatlinburg. I've been in the squad cars in Gatlinburg. But the reason that we were in Gatlinburg, some of you don't know this part of the story, is I was there because my friend's family were going to be there, and he didn't have any siblings. So he said, can I bring a friend with me? Otherwise, I'm going to be bored all weekend. Sure, you can bring a friend with you. This guy seems like a nice guy. We'll take him. <laughs> The reason my friend's family were in Gatlinburg is because that weekend was, <laughs> here we go, this is, a, this is a doozy, it was the women's Bible study conference for our church. So all of the women in our church were in this Bible study conference when my friend's dad has to go to the police station and pick me up. Why are you going to the police station? Oh, Lee got arrested for shoplifting. So she proceeds to walk into the next session and tell all of the women in our church so they could pray for my wayward soul. So, <laughs> well said, it worked. Praise the Lord. I have not shoplifted since that day. That's true. Apparently, I'm not very good at it. But anyway, three or four weeks ago, we took a, a group of kids to a Young Life camp in Brevard, North Carolina, and um, we get back onto the bus to go back to. Oak Ridge, and we arrived at the Tinseltown parking lot, and I realized I have left my keys in North Carolina, which is fine. I had a friend at the camp. He found them. He shipped them to me. But what was not as fine was that next Thursday, queuing up one of my favorite local podcasts and finding out that two of my best friends roasted me for like 11 minutes for all of the, you know, 12 people that listen to that show to hear. So anyway, look. Those are moments where, you know, I felt like super embarrassed, looked down on, talked about behind my back on a podcast. Like, um, 
excluded, rejected, all those kinds of things. Now, here's what I want to say. All that stuff is silly, okay? It's ridiculous, it's embarrassing. But here's what I know about myself and about this room, and you can feel free to, to mm or amen this if you want to. We all have a whole lot worse stuff that we've been coping with. We've all had moments that are a lot deeper, a lot more painful, a lot more triggering, that when we, when we think about some of the times that we've been rejected, our stomachs turn in knots and they do flips. When we think about certain moments that we feel like we can never get past, we just have like shivers, like, oh, I'll never get over that thing. And how do you cope with it? And if you do have some of those experiences, I think you can have a lot of empathy for um, our friend Mary that we're going to read about this morning. This is from Luke chapter 1. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, this is verse 26, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Her name was Miriam. Um, Tom and I were talking about this this morning. You can look it up. It just says, there it is, Mariam. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you were to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the one to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Literally what she says there, when he finishes his spiel, she says, behold, the Lord's servant. She's like, I'll do it. Let's go. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for these words. Would you give us a gift in them? I'm so grateful that, that she said yes, and so grateful for everything, happened, everything that happened because she did. We thank you for her, and we thank you for her baby. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Okay, so from the moment that this like middle school-aged girl like heard these words... This angel shows up. This is what's going to happen. The Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming through you. It's all happening. Everything everybody's been waiting on for thousands of years since the Garden of Eden. It's all happening and it's all going to happen through you. What do you say? And she says, behold, the Lord's servant. That's me. You're looking at her. And so it's like, how's she feeling? Is it exciting? Is it scary? Is it all of the above? But from that moment, this girl's life got really complicated. Because all of a sudden, people start finding out about this, and her little fiancé wants to divorce her. It's going to be over. Her parents, I'm guessing, are upset with her. They pretty much immediately send her away. They're just like, just 
I hope they put her on a caravan or something, or maybe her dad took her down to Judea to be with these, to be with these kind of extended family cousins of hers, Elizabeth and Zechariah, but they send her away, but she knows everybody's talking about her. She's got neighbors talking about her. There's not going to be a wedding. There's not going to be any wedding showers. She's pregnant. There's not going to be a baby shower. Nobody's excited. Everybody's talking about her, and anybody that did ask her, she's like, well... Oh, this is going to sound crazy, but actually the angel of God told me that I am going to be pregnant, that I'm going to give birth to the Messiah, even though, you know, Joseph and I have never done anything. Oh, an angel of God said you're going to have, why don't you just tell us what you did? No, I didn't do anything. Come on, man. Just tell us what you did. I swear it wasn't, I didn't, Joseph and I, we didn't do anything and I haven't done anything with anybody else. It's really the Messiah. Sure. And so everybody's talking about her, no parties. She's like, got to leave her home. By the way, when it was time to have the baby, it wasn't just her village. It wasn't just her friends. It wasn't just the stuff she got excluded from. But her own family, her own family, when she's in labor, won't bring her into the house. They won't scoot over and make room. I don't think any of you are having a baby tonight. Can anybody make some room? And this thing, she was saddled with it like her whole life. In fact, 30 years later, over in John chapter 8, Jesus is all the way down south in Jerusalem. And somehow this story has spread, even to there, even to those people. Because these in this conversation with these folks are super upset with them. And they're talking about being Abraham, you know, they're talking about Abraham, talking about who Jesus is. And Jesus said, if you were truly descendants of Abraham, you would love me. And they were like, oh, we're going to be talking about descendants. We're going to be talking about family. We're not the ones who were illegitimately born here. And you can just imagine the rest of the crowd going, ooh, because this story followed him. Like people knew about this. She felt rejection. She felt belittled. She felt talked about. She felt like I have a thing that I am never going to get rid of. Embarrassed, all of that stuff. And she's like a teenager, a young teenager. How in the world did she cope? Well, here's a question for us. How do you cope when you get rejected? How do you face it when you get belittled and talked down to? How do you handle it when you have a thing that you just can't get out of your past, out of your, it's just, it just follows you around? How do you deal with it? I, I'll tell you how, how I usually try to deal with it. When I get, when I'm entering in a space like this where somebody's just rejecting me, they just don't like me, I just can't get out of this situation, whatever it was, feeling embarrassed, whatever the thing is, I always just feel like, if I could just explain everything to you, then I'm sure that you would like me. Does anybody else do that? If I could just, just, just hear me out. If I could just explain everything to you, then I'm sure that we could clear this up and I'm sure that everything we find. Those of you who are like me, does that work very much for you? Sometimes people just don't like you. Sometimes people are just on a thing. Sometimes you can't talk them out of it. Sometimes you can't fix it. I don't know, but I think that Mary's secret for how she coped was something really cool. I think that she had been given the gift of some words, and she decided, I'm gonna have to believe these words. 
and I'm gonna have to, every time one of these pains hurts, of being embarrassed or rejected or talked about, I'm gonna have to cherish these words that I have decided I have to believe. Let's look at them again. I'm gonna show you these one more time. This is Luke chapter one. Okay, so the angel shows up. And verse 28 says, the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. That word greetings, I love the idea of like a, a warrior on fire using the word greetings. That's such an interesting translation. It's the word grace. It's the, the original word is the word charis. It's where we get the word charity. It means gifts. It means favor. It means grace. He comes up to her and he says, grace. And then he says, you who are highly favored. And all that word is, is the exact same word turned into a verb. Grace. You've been graced. You're the be graced one. You're the one, it's like favor is coming at you like a verb. You've been favored. You've been gifted. You've been presented. You've been graced. Over the next few months and years, you are going to have times where you feel like people look down on you and talk down to you and make you feel embarrassed about who you are. You need to know that in the halls of heaven, you, the way you are thought about and talked about, it's just grace and favor coming at you. You are be graced. Isn't that a good word? And she was going to have to decide, I'm not only going to believe that, but when I need it, I'm going to cherish it. I have been begraced. What's the next one? Gosh, I'm going to keep these on or something. Okay, verse 28. Grace, you the begraced one. And then he says, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. That was a word from this angel that she was going to have to decide that she believed and when she needed it, she was going to have to cherish it because she wasn't going to get the baby showers and she wasn't going to get a wedding shower and she wasn't going to get a wedding and all of a sudden, some of her friends started getting married and some of them maybe started having babies, getting pregnant right there in the middle of what she's going through and in the next few years and all that stuff and she was going to feel excluded and rejected and the number one word that she needed in the middle of her exclusion and rejection is you may feel lonely, you're not alone. The Lord is with you. Not only is the Lord with you, but you need to let this hit you, Mary. Out of everybody in the whole world, he wanted you. He wanted to make you his first home in the earth. Her womb, his first home. Not only are you not rejected by the Messiah, he, not only is he with you, he's like growing in you. You could not be closer to the Messiah. Those people may reject you. The Lord is with you. Oh, be graced one. That's a good word. Okay, check out. Let's go farther. There's another one. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. I love this one so much because she was going to be talked about over these next few months and years and maybe for the rest of her life, people were going to be talking bad about her. That phrase, you have found favor with God, in the like original language or whatever, it's a word that means good words are spoken of you. 
That is super cool. It's actually where we get the word eulogy. You know, like at a funeral, when somebody really, it's like somebody you really loved is gone. And so somebody gets the courage to pull themselves together and just say how much I love this person and how much they meant to me. And can I tell you my favorite story about who this person was? We call that the eulogy. It's, the, it's a combination of these two Greek words, good and words. And what this angel is saying to her is, you may feel like people are talking about you behind their, your back because they will be, but you need to know that in the hallways of heaven, God himself says amazing things about you. Isn't that beautiful? She was given the gift of some words and she was going to have to decide, I believe these and, and when I need them, I'm going to cherish them. But my favorite thing about Mary, and you find it out a little bit later, is she was, a, she was an absolute student of the scriptures. Like as a young middle school kid, she knew the scriptures. She loved the Bible. The reason that you know is when she goes to uh, Elizabeth and Zechariah's house, like she's wondering, you know, is this somebody else that's going to give me a stern talking to? And, you know, how did you get yourself pregnant and all this kind of stuff? And, you know, this is, do you know what causes that? You know, the kind of stuff that adults do. And so Elizabeth opens the door and she's like, how can it be that the mother of my, the Holy Spirit came on Elizabeth and she's just like, it's the mother of my Lord. And then the baby John the Baptist who was filled with the spirit is just turning flips inside Elizabeth. And she's just like, this dude is praising. He's doing a praise dance right now. We're so excited to see you. And as soon as that happened, oh, Mary breathed a sigh of relief and then launched into this song. And it's amazing because she doesn't just launch into a song, but the more you look at it, you realize this song, which, okay, I'm gonna do a, a nerdy little thing. Like when one of these amazing musicians up here, like if Mark takes like a piano solo or Joel or Nino or Thomas rip off some guitar stuff, what they're doing is they're playing something they've never played before. It's improvisational. They're just coming up with it. And you're like, how do you not hit a wrong note? And that's because for years and years and years, they practice certain scales and certain forms and certain licks. So they have in their brain and under their fingers just a catalog of them. So when they need them, they can just, without thinking about it, just grab a, a few pieces and then put together this crazy solo that makes us all go nuts, right? That's how they do that. Mary's heart was so full and her brain was so full of the Old Testament scriptures that when she needed it, she just improv improvised a, like a guitar solo of old school scriptures. Some from 1 Samuel, the prayer of Hannah, some from the Psalms, some from Isaiah. She just knew them so well that she's just grabbing them and putting them together and making the concepts rhyme. And it's amazing. She loved the scriptures. Which makes me say this thing that is, I guess you could call it speculation, but it's super not. It's not speculation at all. I wonder what the moment was like. If it was one or two weeks into her pregnancy, if it was maybe, maybe even a month later, where she realized, oh my goodness, Isaiah chapter 7 is about me. <laughs> like, not me in general. Not like just the fact that, you know, Isaiah chapter 7, the thing we started this morning with, where Isaiah, 700 years before this happened, looked at the king of Judah and said, the Lord himself will give you a sign, sir. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and she will call him Emmanuel. And she's thinking about Isaiah 7, and she's realizing, it's me. It's not me in general. It's actually me. Isaiah was staring at the king, talking about actually me. I found myself in an ancient book. And that is another little secret Mary had. She found herself in an ancient book.
That's pretty cool. So what's funny is the angel told Mary, you're going to name this child Jesus. We find out in the Matthew account when an angel told Joseph, do not divorce her. You're gonna, this baby really is the Messiah, by the way. And you're going to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So he breaks down the name for us a little bit more. And so she knew that they were going to name the baby Jesus. And that's what everybody was going to call him. But I wonder if she thought about Isaiah 7. And Isaiah clearly said, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And she will call him Emmanuel. So I wonder if this was Mary's little nickname for Jesus. And maybe it started when she was pregnant. She realized Isaiah 7 is about me. I got to call him Emmanuel. So that was maybe her little nickname for him. Maybe she's the only one that called him that. And maybe on the hardest days that she had, when she was most rejected and when she was most down and out, she could just rub that baby bump and say, hey, little Emmanuel, hey, buddy, can you get me through this day? It's going to be a tough one. She had a secret. She had words that she was going to have to believe, and in the hardest moments, she was going to have to cherish them. And she found herself in an ancient book. Okay. So everybody in this room basically said that we know how it feels to be rejected. We know how it feels to be looked down on. We know how it feels to be talked about. We know how it feels, some of us, to be saddled with an infamous moment and a reputation we can't shake. So how do you cope with it? What if we use Mary's strategy? What if you found yourself in an ancient book and you got some words that you decided to believe and in the hardest moments you treasured them and cherished them? Can I help you find yourself in an ancient book? Anybody want to do that? Cool. Okay. Uh, the letter of the Apostle Paul to the Ephesians, which right away you might be like, well, look, I know that the scriptures were written for our encouragement and help and all that kind of stuff. But the letter to the Ephesians was specifically written to the Ephesians. And in the words of the great Lee Corso, not so fast. Okay, it was. It was written to the Ephesians. But here's a really interesting thing. That letter, most scholars believe, was meant for a lot of churches. It was meant to go around in a circle around the, the churches throughout Turkey. In some of the oldest manuscripts of the letter of Paul to the Ephesians, see that when you read that book in your Bible, it will say, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. But there are a lot of manuscripts that say, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Yes, it went to Ephesus, but it also went to Laodicea, and it also went to Smyrna and Pergamum. It went around. It was for the saints. By the way, and some of you are like, well, I'm super not a saint. Um, I mean, the guy talking to me right now got arrested for shoplifting, so what are we talking about? Here's the deal. The moment that you called out on Jesus, the scripture says you, in that moment, became a saint of God one of the holy ones. So it's, it reads like this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. That is a good word. That is a word that I need. He says, he chose us in him before the foundation of the earth to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons and daughters through Christ Jesus in accordance with his pleasure and will, which he freely gave us in Christ. Okay, that, that little phrase, uh, which he freely gave to us, 
That phrase is only used one other time in the entire New Testament. And you know where it is? It's in Luke chapter 1 when the angel Gabriel says, Greetings, be graced one. The one who has gifts coming at you. The one who has grace coming at you like a verb. That is true of the saints. It's the same exact word. When you feel like you've been belittled and you've been looked down on, one of the things that you can know is, I found myself in an ancient book and it says that I have been begraced. And I may feel like other people reject me, but that same paragraph says that I was chosen before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. That he predestined me to be his kid, to be adopted into his family. Jesus chose Mary to be a part of his family. In fact, to be his mom. And he chose us to be his brothers and sisters. And does anybody want to say amen in church today? He chose us to be his family. And other people may reject us, but in love he predestined us. Other people may talk about me, but he loves me. Other people may reject me, but he picked me. Other people may look down on me, but he begraced me. I found myself in an old book, in an ancient book. And I've got some words that have been gifted straight to me. And I want to believe them. And then the moments when I need them the most, I want to remember them and treasure them and cherish them. Now, I do agree that Mary had a little um, advantage on us as far as knowing how close Jesus was to her. I mean, some of that may have been in the gift of morning sickness and afternoon sickness and evening sickness and all that kind of thing. But have you ever thought about the fact that as Mary's isolation grew, so did her baby bump? I was talking to Maddie the other day, and most of you guys know that Maddie's about to have a baby. And, um, and I, was like, I was like, yo, is Daisy still kicking? And she was like, oh, yes, especially right now because I just had a big, cold, sweet coffee drink. And whenever you have the real sweet drinks, Daisy just starts going off. She just starts kicking like a professional soccer player. And I just wonder if in really tough moments for Mary, moments where she was feeling talked about and rejected and left out and all those things, if she wasn't able to just put her hand on that baby bump and just a silent little prayer to Emmanuel, hey, can you give me a little help right now? And he could just give her a little kick. I'm with you. You're not alone. Why don't we do the same thing? The next time you have a hard moment where you feel like people are dissing you and they're rejecting you and they don't get you and they're talking about you and you feel alone in this world, why don't you put out a silent prayer and say, I don't know what this would look like because I'm super not, you know, like Mary was, but can you give me a little sign that you're with me? Can you give me a little postcard of your affection for me and your choice for me? Can you show me that you love me? I believe he loves that kind of interaction and I believe he'll show up. Let's pray. Precious Lord, I thank you so much for the beautiful words that you gave to Mary. That in moments where she needed them, that she was able to remember, I am not alone. I am well spoken of. I am begraced. And I have Emmanuel right here with me. I believe that taking those words and believing them hard and cherishing them, I think it's how we stamp out self-rejection. I think it's how we stop believing the tale that anybody else wants to tell, tell of who we are. 
It's how we believe what you say we are and who you say we are. Help us to do it in this Advent season. It's in your precious name we pray. Angels from the realms of glory wing your flight over all the earth. He who sang creation's story now proclaim Messiah's birth. Shepherds in their fields abiding, watching o'er your flocks by night. God with man is now residing, yonder shines the infant light. Come and worship, come and worship, worship Christ the newborn King. Sages, leave your contemplations, brighter visions beam afar. Seek the great desire of nations, ye have seen his natal star. Come and worship, come and worship, worship Christ the newborn. Christ the